1: This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The world's changing, and what are things we can do to, to transform our business and engage our fans? globally in different ways.
2: People are using their name and likeness to create more opportunities, more stakes in companies. In order to turn the organization around, we had to turn it around not only just on the baseball operations side, but on the business operations
3: side. Football and any other sport is very difficult, but I like to broaden my horizons and be able to
2: expand. Sports need to be consumed live, and that's a big competitive advantage for intellectual property holders of sports content in the media landscape. Bloomberg Business of Sports.
1: From
3: Bloomberg Radio.
2: Hi, everyone.
1: I'm Jason Kelly. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. So excited today. I'm riding solo, but I got a couple guys with me. We've got a lot to talk about. Some news. A new season and just lax, man. So excited to have both Paul Rabel and Mike Rabel with me of the Premier Lacrosse League. The co-founders, brothers, as you can probably tell. And it's timely because of some news and timely because the third season kicks off this weekend. Gentlemen, really, really nice to have you with me. Thanks for having us. us. All right. So, Mike, let's talk about the news today, uh, broken here on Bloomberg, which is a new round of funding, Uh, a pretty familiar face, I know, to you guys jumping in here, Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots. His stadium is where you're going to be kicking off the season this weekend. We'll talk about that a a little bit later on. But tell me about this round of funding, why now, and what you're going to use the money for.
2: Yeah. No, um, appreciate that. And, you know, we looked at it really, we started considering it right around the time we were considering uh, the merger with the MLL. So, you know, end of last year, um, particularly after the summer, we started having a conversation with uh, Major League Lacrosse. Um, and uh, as part of that conversation, as the two leagues coming together, we decided to expand. Um, to an eight team uh, and, and absorb uh, the Boston Cannons, which has now been rebranded the Cannons Lacrosse Club, uh, which Paul plays on. Um, and as part of that, uh, we also considered, you know, the momentum and sort of forging a new path as the market leader in professional lacrosse. And what better way to do that than take on strategic investors? Um, I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or, or founders talk about strategic investors, but I think it really does come into play uh, with us, and particularly with Arctos mm-hmm. uh, Capital Partners leading this round. Um, their investments uh, across the NBA, uh, other leagues soon to be announced, are really going to provide us uh, a, a, a long list of resources and a playbook. And then also with the craft coming along, you know, they were founding investors in the MLS. Um, so that'll also provide us, uh, you know, a, a pathway to the do's and don'ts. Um, and then also bringing in, uh, uh Joe Ty again, um, to, uh, to help lead the round. He's been invaluable, um, as a member of our board and then also, you know, what he's been able to do and, and revitalize in such a short time with, the, with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, a lot of that strategy uh, that he's put together with his management team has been very helpful. So um, it really came together then. And then as far as uh, your second question, how we're thinking about uses of capital, um, we continue to think about resourcing our media team. You know, we won an SBJ award uh, last year for a new sports property. We're up this year for uh, social media uh, uh, of the year, and, and we continue to, to you know to be hailed as, as one of the sort of innovators in that space. But then also our, our live game broadcast. Mm-hmm. We want to continue to make fans feel like they're on the field, um, and you have to do that through. Uh, enhanced technology, um, not only with our broadcast partners, but also own and operated technology. So we're going to continue to be building technology in house, um, using that with our partners, and then also being able to license that technology out in the future is something we're looking to do. Um, we also want to further resource our partnerships team, uh, particularly on our sponsorship side. It's one thing to bring on a new sponsor, but it's really hard uh, to, to make sure that relationship stays strong. The long term, and so we want to further resource that. Um, and then I think the last piece, which you know, Jason, you know a lot about, is investing in youth across mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we are playing well alongside all of our partners um, on the youth side, and, and then continuing to unlock opportunities for future players.
1: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I have a I have a captive audience for that uh, for that element for <laughs> sure. So so Paul, you know, Mike mentioned the the merger with the MLL, which is a fascinating one. As a former MLL player, uh, of course, you were uh, in that league. You're, um, you know, back with the Canons. I mean, it's it's a fascinating uh, journey in, in that regard. But take a step back and, and help us understand, because I don't think we've talked about it on this program, what that merger means for the game and, you know, what we can sort of expect now that we're going to see this combined product on the field coming up this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question, Jay. So
3: I think what makes pro sports so uh, dynamic is that people congregate in venue and on screen to watch the best in the world at their specific craft. And there's relationships that are developed uniquely with the players on screen. You A modern generation of Gen Zs and millennials uh, have built that relationship and fandom largely through social media and lifestyle and relatability And then the previous generations oftentimes developed it through city-based affiliation or lineage of of team and sometimes uh, family lineage. But what they all have in common is that you know when you're watching a competition on field, whether it's the pro game or the international game at the Olympics, is that you're watching a culmination of of the best talent. Mm. and. When we launched the PLL, we brought over 200 of the best players in the world. But one thing we know about sports so dynamic is the underdog story and that there are more players constantly developing and striving to reach the top. And you see it in mixed martial arts where you have the UFC and competing leagues. And for us, we felt like MLL previously was a competing league but also a feeder system into the PLL as we had enhanced professional lacrosse quite quickly uh, and leading with our NBC partnership. But now that we're able to conjoin the properties um, for a league like MLL that had been around for 20 years and established roots in communities across the U.S., being able to not just bring some of those best players over, one being Lyle Thompson, who I play with now, as I, as I talk to you from my hotel room at Gillette, um, but also we're, we're able to bring over fans that had been watching MLL for a long time. So it's it's definitely unique to the history of professional sports in America that you have a third-year league now armed with 20 years of history, it's usually the reverse, where through the merger, the new league gets tucked into the former league branding and operation. So we're definitely humbled uh, by this process, and it was one that we had set out to do from the get-go. Right. Uh, but moving forward, especially for a newer professional league, uh, the narrative is is a lot more easily digested. Yeah, right? it, professional lacrosse is the PLL. It's on NBC every weekend throughout the summer and into the middle of September. It's a regular season all star, culminating in the playoffs and championship. And the best players are on screen every weekend. So that type of simplicity for a league that's trying to burst into the mainstream. Uh, spotlight is something that I think is the biggest reward and outcome of the M&A.
1: Well, you gave me a, a really interesting uh, way into something. I definitely want to talk to both of you about it. And, and Mike, I'll start with you. This media landscape, I mean, you guys find yourself at, at this fascinating moment uh both at the start of the league with a huge deal that you did with NBC, and then you're sort of, to some extent, not just along for the ride, but a main player as we start to think about how sports are consumed and distributed. You're going to have games not only on NBC and NBC Sports, but that's going to give way to Peacock, and so you're going to be streaming as well. Help me understand what you guys have learned about this game and the consumption of this game and the consumption of sports and how that's evolving
2: yeah i mean i'll take the first stab at it but um i think last year we realized that um to your question around consumption um that digital consumption uh, particularly on our uh ott platform formerly nbc gold and now to your point we moved to peacock um, last year, our, our number of subs year over year was up 133%, mm. right? And we only had a third of the games, uh, on NBC Gold in 2020 compared to 2019. Um, and so just from our own data, we are, we're seeing higher levels of digital consumption. Um, and I think that, you know, at the same time, you know, we still have to be intentional and thoughtful about our linear presence. Um, I think one of the misnomers is that, like, Linear is free, and while, like, in in your mind it may be free as a consumer, you're actually paying a licensing fee uh, as part of your bundle for whoever you're uh, you're paying as your cable provider. Um, That said, because Linear is still prevalent and important, um, it's important for us to continue to push um, uh, and, and promotes our linear presence with, with NBC uh, this year on NBC Maine and then also NBC SN. But we're excited to be a, a part of, of Peacock. Peacock continues to get more re- resources from NBCU. Um, we know our audience is consuming our product digitally. Uh, and then it's on us to really continue to invest and think about that, that, uh, that, that experience, whether you're watching it on mobile or you're watching it uh, through your connected TV to make sure that um, you know, while lacrosse is a fast-moving sport, uh, it is able to be consumed and watched uh, at a high rate and, and, and an engaged rate, um, whether no matter the platform you're watching it on.
1: And so, uh, Paul, that, that does take me to this notion of the on-field product, uh, of which you are both an architect and a, a player, literally. And, and I do wonder how you think about that. And I know this is something we've talked about before how you balance the quality of play, the ability for the players to do their thing while at the same time creating a product that is more attractive to the viewer that gives people a sense of the game and you guys obviously revolutionized things like the, you know, the in-helmet microphones, yeah. the in-game, you know, all of that stuff. But how do you go, what's the process for kind of figuring out how to make it a more attractive product while still kind of respecting the game?
3: Yeah, yeah. it's a great question. We we think about our business from a product and distribution standpoint, to answer your question specifically. And as a single-entity company, it's one of the reasons why we've attracted, we think, the best sports ownership group in North America, and now bringing on the Crafts and Arctos. And the leadership that they uh, respectively have across a number of different properties, adding value to ours is that Jason, we can make decisions and make decisions quickly. What's right for the game from a competitive integrity and entertainment standpoint? If you look at the history of pro sports, a lot of new rules have been first instituted by the professional leagues, whether it's the NBA and the three point arc to the NFL and the two point conversion. Uh, there's like all of these different. Leadership positions that pro sports can take, and uh, what we set out to do is think about it both from a from a product standpoint. So, how can we enhance the experience for our players and the comp- competition on the field, and how does that impact our fans viewing? And then, how can we distribute it as far and wide as possible? And so, what Mike was referencing is this um, this like intersection between streaming and traditional linear viewership. And what's exciting is that a lot of the networks, and especially our network partner in NBC Universal, is simulcasting.
4: Mm-hmm. So
3: when we say all of our games are on Peacock, that means all 44 of our, of our games are available there. And then the other half are also being co-exclusive to Linear. So we have games on NBC Sports and NBC Uh, proper and when those games are there if someone doesn't have a cable bundle they're also watching it on peacock we are driving games exclusively to peacock because we're seeing now that households across america on average have four streaming service subscriptions there's 250 million streaming subscriptions in the u.s and the cable bundle is down to 80 million yeah and so i think for as long as the cable bundle will be around will be on television because there is the blue blood mark. There's the validation that you get from being available on television for a sports fan, the top of the household to the bottom. But we're, we're tracking trends quickly and we want to be where every lacrosse fan is. And that's our strategy around distribution from a product standpoint. I'll say that lacrosse has been known and dubbed for the fastest game on two feet for, for a long time. It's a big field and players move up and down and they put the ball on the net more times than they do in hockey and soccer. Uh, But when we looked at the game on television and took an objective eye, we looked at a few things. Like on a big field, it's hard to feel the pace from your television or if you're watching on your laptop, you know, tablet or phone. So if we shorten the middle of the field, maybe we can see kind of eye line goal to goal a little bit better. We also noticed for non-across fans that they had a tough time tracking a ball because it moves over 100 miles an hour on a shot and call it 50 to 60 miles an hour on a pass. So we changed the color of the ball to optic yellow, which is the color they use in tennis that matches 100-mile-an-hour serves and 60-mile-an-hour values. So things that we are constantly looking at evolving at the pro level that we're certain that at some point college and the youth system will adapt. And if not, that's okay because as you evolve as a player in any pro sport, whether it's you know wrestling at the NCAA level to MMA and UFC, we're taking that leap because I think we're tracking positive trends of what we've done thus far with the PLL.
4: Yeah. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com.
1: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Uh, You know, Mike, we've talked a lot about how people are consuming it you know, via their television or their computer or their smartphone. Uh, let's talk about the the live portion, the in person portion. I believe I saw a tweet from you yesterday saying that you guys, and this would have been as of Tuesday of the week before um, the first uh, the the kickoff to the season, that you had sold more tickets already for the. For the series this weekend than you had sold at any previous venue what accounts for that in your first of all is that true and, and do i have that right and b what accounts uh, yeah. for that in, in in your estimation
2: yeah um i think so first of all yeah it, it is true um and i think it, it, it's two things um one um you know 2019 was our inaugural year right and there were uh some some you know some level of, of healthy skepticism around, is this, uh, is this real? What's this going to look like? Um, I remember fielding calls from reporters around, are you going you know, to be able to make it through the entire year or not? And so I think there was some hesitation from the fan ecosystem. Um, uh, and then I think last year as well, in, in 2020, and being one of the first leagues ever, uh, or sorry, one of the first leagues to announce uh, our, our return to play in a safe uh, bubble format, um, having the credibility to execute that, no COVID, no COVID on-site uh, outbreaks, and then being able to drive ratings up throughout the, uh, that season, and then also, you know, with uh, uh, you know college lacrosse being canceled, um, we were able to sort of be the uh, the only lacrosse product in in, in a COVID year, um, and so I think that increased our our uh, our. our presence in the ecosystem and i think the second piece is strategically we decided to move ticket sales in-house um in the first year um, and then also every year you, you you make mistakes or you learn from decisions you make and first year we outsourced it um to an agency and um you know we ended up building that in-house in 2020 and then had to press pause obviously but then we were able to rebuild that uh quickly and take that uh roadmap that we developed in 2020 and apply to 2021 Um, And we're seeing that ticket sales team really execute. And so the credit goes to, you know, our leaders over there, Mick Davis and Danny Pasavoy and and Jared Smalley, and what they've been able to do and the talent they've been able to track and how quickly they've been able to sell tickets as well. Um, I think those are the big components that's what led to this early success. And we have a lot more to do, obviously. Um, But uh, all signs are pointing to uh, it being really successful from the tickets perspective this year.
1: And so uh, Paul as, as we start to wrap up here a, a, a little bit you know tell me about the this ownership group as it has expanded because one of the elements i find fascinating and and you both alluded to it earlier is you've got owners across other professional sports who are getting involved in this game who have experience in the NBA, the NFL, MLS and you know all the big pro leagues from both an athlete and a an executive perspective, Paul. What do you take? Like, what what are some of the lessons that that you've already learned, or what do you expect to learn from some of these folks um, who are, you know, dealing with labor issues, who are dealing with all the other right. issues that we've been talking about?
3: Yeah. Well, we we've been really selective, and we've been fortunate to be in a position where we can add new investors like Arctos and the Crafts. Uh, based on improving the, the big areas of, of what it takes to build a professional sports league. So we've talked about it before, Jason, but you look at media, sponsorship, tickets, merchandise, youth, and then underneath all of it, they all plug in the product. So product improvement is something that all of our investors trust us as lacrosse natives to really like, continue to improve and focus on. And where they add value are each of those kind of five buckets that I had mentioned – so when you have someone like Joe Tai, who grew up playing lacrosse, right. who has one of the strongest pulses in international um, you know, kind of international business uh, through Alibaba, and then his ownership with the Brooklyn Nets on the NBA side, he's a really unique investor, and he's on our board. Then you have folks like HBSE, you have the crafts you have Rain, you have churn in. And there are groups that have not only ownership positions in pro sports leagues that are outside of big four, but they specialize in new media, which again, we, we view sport as a combination of, of product and distribution, but it's really entertainment. And so if you can get distribution and media down, which has become pronged out beyond just linear, it's how, what you're doing on social, email, digital, owned and operated technology, as Mike had mentioned, mobile apps, things that uh, we're continuing to develop, getting into gaming, sports betting. That's where uh, we really learn. and something that I, I continue to learn from Mike regularly is, is how often we tap into our ownership group uh, for introductions, for advice, for strategy. Um, and then we have like our blue blood lacrosse investors like Brett Jefferson, who um, will owe largely a lot of his economic prosperity in business and finance to what he learned on the lacrosse field. Right. So. we um, we, we've been lucky and and we're really excited about this group. It's diverse. And, uh, and so it it positions us well. And, and we're always kind of reminding ourselves that, um, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And there's a lot more to learn and to be innovators and continue to push, we have to be fast and we have to be thoughtful. We have to be intuitive. We have to be predictive. um, And we know that in sports, you know, you basically have six months, sometimes six weeks and six days to, to catch a trend, and everyone else is going to follow. Right. So we innovate like a mic and helmet. Everyone else is innovating with a mic and helmet the next season or later that season. So, what's our next thing? And constantly have to be pressing. It's an athlete gene, and we're all athletes that are operating this league, which is also unique and, and fun. But uh, but we find those shared
1: values with our investors. All right, Mike. Last question to you, and and I will fully admit that I lifted this question from my lacrosse playing son, uh, Will, because I asked him what I should be asking you guys. And and one of the smart questions he gave me was actually points back to something Paul was just talking about, which is you know what you learn from the other leagues. And one of the things we've seen with the NFL and the NBA specifically is it becomes a twelve month media season in, in many ways. You've got all these sort of things, whether it's the draft or, or other things that people get excited about. One thing Will was musing a lot about is a PLL combine. Like, are these the sorts of things that you guys are considering to keep the game front of mind throughout the year?
2: Yeah. No, uh, Will, Will's very sharp, uh, obviously. Uh, and that's something that we're we're, we're starting to really roadmap against our, our, our long-term planning. And I think that as, as, a, as a content business, um, you have to think about, you know, the 12, 12 months uh, in the calendar year and, and, and what you can provide that's new. Uh, and so there's always a balance um, around sort of uh, building new properties. Um, and if you talk to the folks at the NFL – you know, the NFL Combine uh, took about 20 years yeah. for it to actually be successful and profitable for them. And, and early on, it, it was it was a massive uh, investment and, and, and sort of a, a, a loss leader for, for other properties. And so as we think about developing more content, uh, particularly internationally, something that, that we're starting to scratch the surface on And in 2019, we were able to do an exhibition uh, tournament over in Japan Um you know, combine is definitely part of the conversation, right? Um, it's always a balance uh, with, you know, what sort of commercial interest can we bring in to offset those costs. But I do think it's a great opportunity to showcase um, uh, more talent in the lacrosse ecosystem, you know, the, the skill of these players, how great of athletes they actually are. Um, and then also provide more content uh, to Will's point that uh, not necessarily just highlights from the season. Right.
1: All right, gentlemen. Well, I could talk to you all day about LAX and uh, look forward to the next time. Looking forward to seeing some games uh, this season. Mike Rabel, Paul Rabel, co-founders of the Premier Lacrosse League. Big news today with the new round of investment and on the verge of season three. Thank you both so much.
2: Thanks, Jason. Awesome. Thanks.
1: You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We're here with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, of course, catch our show on Bloomberg
0: Radio.